on in, everybody. We'll get, we'll begin. Y'all can have a seat if you want. Yeah. Come on in. Psalms of uh, Psalms 45. For the music director, according to the tune of the lilies, by the Korites, a well-written poem, a love song. My heart is stirred by a beautiful song, and I say, I have composed a special song for the king. My tongue is as a skilled as a stylus of an experienced scribe. You are the most handsome of all men. You speak in an impressive and fitting manner. For this reason, God grants you continual blessings. Strap your sword to your thigh, O warrior. Appear in majestic splendor. Appear in your majesty and be victorious. Ride forth for the sake of what is right on behalf of justice. Then your right hand will accomplish mighty acts. Your arrows are sharp, and they penetrate the hearts of the king's enemies. Nations fall at your feet. Your throne, O oh God, is permanent. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of justice. You love justice and you hate evil. For this reason, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy and has elevated you above all your companions. All your garments are perfumed with myrrh and aloe and cassia. From the luxurious palaces comes the music of the stringed instrument that makes you happy. Princesses are among your honored guests. Your bride stands at your right hand, wearing jewelry made with gold with ophir. Listen, old princess, observe and pay attention. Forget your homeland, forget your family. Then the king will be attracted by your beauty. After all, he is your master, submit to him. Rich people from Tyre will seek your favor by bringing a gift. And the princess looks absolutely magnificent, decked out in pearls and clothed in brocade trimmed with gold. In embroidered robes, she is escorted to the king, her attendants, the maidens of honor who follow her, led before you. They are bubbling with joy as they walk in procession and enter the royal palace. Your sons will carry on the dynasty of your ancestors, and you will make them princes throughout the land. I will proclaim your greatness through the coming years and all the nations I will proclaim your greatness through all the years and all the nations they will praise you forever Lord
wash your hands and accept his blood and the king is waiting for us to come he's waiting for us to come i have given you his blood you can come you can come you can come come
can discern from the word and from what I'm reading upon the death of Laban is a, a person who is wholly unknown it says but commonly the first syllable of Laban has been taken to be the ordinary Hebrew prefix uh, preposition to or for concerning the Targum renders the title of the psalm <clears throat> listen to this on the death of the man who came forth from between the camps and is alluding to Goliath, uh, the Philistine champion. So David composes this psalm. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because right before we start, Austin was asking, how do you think David responded when Goliath came into the middle of the Philistines? And uh, Stephen was telling him, I think that he probably by nature, based off of his time with the lion and the bear, uh, went on attack because he had come to harm the, uh, sh the sheep of God's uh, flock and had made uh, railing threats against God's people. Um, so David composes this psalm as triumph, a triumphal song 
take out the gigantic adversary that had presented himself against the nation. And it says it would be translated then upon the death of Ben, who is named among the Levites, appointed to preside over the music for the removal of the ark uh, to its resting place. While he is not named in the narrative of the actual removal, indeed his place seems to be filled by another uh, Aziza, and we are reminded again of the sudden death of Yuza when the removal was attempted on an early occasion. Even though, so that this Leban word is transposed for Nabal, yet not so much with reference to the individual man as reference to the fool, which is emphatically noticed as the meaning of his name. It's the name of the man who warred with David in those days, and to whom reference is made as the one who is the wicked one, and identifies him with a foreign prince who came to make war among God's people against the Israelites. You know, it all, it, this always takes me by surprise in a lot of our uh, meetings and events that we've had. Um, but today, you know, hey, and the Lord's gonna lead us in this. But our adversary is trying to create war against the movement of God to bring in the ark of God into a resting place for his glory. And uh, we know that the Lord has already pronounced triumph over what he has begun with us and he will complete it. Yeah. But that is what we're up against today. Some of what he's saying is reminds me of the children of Israel, the spies in the land of Canaan. There was two realities that were brought back. Just like when Goliath comes out and speaks over the children of Israel, he's speaking a reality over them. And unfortunately, almost all the children of Israel accept his reality. Just like the, the spies who came back. They said uh, the, the men where they were like giants and we were as grasshoppers, therefore we were. They accepted his reality and actually his reality, they, the reality that they brought back is what they became. And which I feel like is the death of that old reality. It's that, that thing that we used to say, well, you know, that, that seems a little fantastical and it seems a little, you know, out there. That's, that's not really down to earth. That's not really, you know, all these, all these things that, you know, honestly for me in some places, I've actually said when the Lord tells me something, and then I say, well, you know, I see that this way, but you know, let's, let's be more practical and down to earth about it. And the Lord's saying, no, no, I've given you the bear. I've given you the lion. This Goliath is no different. 
His reality is not right. His reality is not true. Listen to my reality. Salvation, the shield of my faith. Oh, 
stands up against him Cast it down like the idols of old And I will waste my breath singing praise to you That's my reality I will waste my strength dancing all my on you. And I will waste my heart throwing it all into what seems unpragmatic. I will be the fool, I will play the fool, I will be the fool.
Psalms 9. I will thank the Lord with my, all my heart. And I will tell about your amazing deeds. I will be happy and rejoice in you. I sing praises to you, O Sovereign One. When you turn my enemies back, and you cause them to trip and they're defeated before you. I have confidence in you, Lord, this morning that you defend our just cause. And from your throne, you pronounce a just decision. Terrify the nations with a battle cry, and you destroy the wicked. You did. You permanently wipe out the memory of them all. The enemy cities have been reduced to permanent ruins. Destroy their cities, Lord, and let all our enemies perish from us. Say, Lord, you rule. You eternally rule. And you reign in justice. You're the fair judge of the world. And you make legal decisions even this morning concerning this nation. Consequently, I know you, Lord, that you'll provide safety even though we've been pressed out and pressed in and pressed out. I found you, Lord, that you're safe. You're safe in our times of trouble. I'm in the company of your loyal followers that place all our trust in you. And you, Lord, not abandon us because we seek your help. And I will sing praises to you out of sign. The place where heaven and earth come together. And I'll tell the nations what you have done. hiding place. You're our shelter, Lord. You're the rock we lean on. You're the rock that's higher than I. Take us up to the rock that's higher than us, Lord. Say you're our Father.
accomplished throughout the earth. May you be known for who you really are. Oh, magnificent one, and glorious one, faithful and true. I will praise you, Lord, and I will give you thanks. Yeah.
Was that intense or what? Yeah. I, I believe I have a word from the Lord, but bear with me as I draw upon uh, all kinds of places in the text to be able to unfold this word because, uh, you know, this can be laid out in a proper way that uh, really seems to match with what's going on today. And so, Lord, I just give you uh, this release of your word, and I ask you for your anointing and for your understanding that it would be released into this event this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, every Sunday morning for the last uh, number of mornings, I've been being woke up by the Lord. I guess it was about, again, about 5 o'clock this morning. He wakes me up. And it's been really interesting because the Lord is really good about hiding things and, like, not revealing them until the right, exact, exact, precise time in our life. 
you know how Proverbs 25, 2, which is quoted so much, but I'll say it again. It's the glory of God to conceal. It's, yeah, it's God's glory to conceal a matter. It's he conceals uh, for a purpose to bring a revelation or to reveal. And a lot of times we can take the, this is just kind of funny, but I don't know if you've ever like been around somebody and they know something, but they won't tell you. And they let you know that they know something, but they'll say, like, I'm not going to tell you what it is. And you're like, and have you ever got to the point where you're just like, you know what? Fine. You know, fine. You're not going to tell me. Okay. Well, you know something I don't know, and you're telling me that you do, but you won't tell me. And that's just fine. Or you're like, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me, please. Like, let me know what's going on here. Please tell me. And then they're like, no, I'm not going to tell you. And, uh... (laughs) And sometimes we might think that God in his sovereignty is like one of those two characters. That, that God, who knows all things and everything, would treat us like, I'm not going to tell you. And, and so we come up to him, we're like, please tell me. And then, and then or like this, and we have the, this relationship with him sometimes like that. But God never conceals anything uh, arbitrarily. God brings a concealment because of the timing of in our life. Because there are certain things that if they were, we, they were known too early or if they were known too late, they may direct our course in an improper way. Anybody know what I mean? And sometimes we think, oh, God, he's just hiding something from me and he doesn't want me to know. But God in his goodness, because he's a good father... God in his goodness isn't concealing things from us because um, he's somehow stingy with his information or he doesn't uh, like us to know things. The reason why there's a concealing with God is one big reason is because God, our Father, will not impose himself on us. God is not a tyrant. The Lord will not impose himself, meaning that he's not going to bring you into an understanding of something um, and put some kind of position onto you that puts you into an imposition because, because he's not going to govern and rule us in a way, in that way by imposition. He's so loving. He's so essentially loving that he won't come to you and reveal himself to you unless you ask him to. He won't come close because he's so loving. I've learned this in my marriage with Kara, and it's really sort of blown me away. And um, If I don't take time to consider her, there's information inside of her that I probably would never hear. Any of you women know what I'm talking about? Like you hold things in your heart, you treasure them in your heart, And they have to be delivered in a certain way because you're received or wanted or longed for. Is that, does that happen to anybody in the ladies? Like, like I'm not going to, I don't want to tell you. Um, uh, This morning, Karen and I was talking, I was, you know, doing my dialogue thing. And I just look at her and say, your hair looks so beautiful today. Now you got my ears. (laughs) It was like unless I provided an onload path, I wasn't going to, we weren't going to have correspondence. 
Not that she doesn't listen, but hearing and listening are two different things. And so the beauty of God, the one, the one whom we've come to know, is similar in this except, except way more delicate. He's way more refined and way delicate, and so Holy Spirit waits for us to take consideration for him. And um, I'll tell you that in the middle of a difficulty in our lives a lot of time and things going on around us and circumstances and problems that it gets our attention onto the wrong thing and so God's there and like he is this morning with us and you can feel the pressure in the room I mean it, it, why not just say it's a little bit different than it has been for us in a bunch of our events there's a pre there's been a pressure here this morning it's been Intense, and, and then what are we doing in that the Lord is over all things. He's in control. He's, he's not wringing his hands. Uh, do you love me? Will you push through the obstacle? Will you find the path through where we can really hear the revelation of Jesus and what he's saying to us in the midst of this? And will you wait on, will you wait on him when it costs you something? You know, we think that God wouldn't allow... Um, obstacles to be put in the way um, there's a book that's come out a few years ago and I think it's called The Obstacle in the Way is that right? Yeah. You that, that was mentioned to me I think by you like four or five years ago uh, The Obstacle in the Way and the, the whole idea is, is that, that obstacles are actually put in our way and the question is, is can we get through the, through the obstacle and we think that God wouldn't allow some things to come in our life that would cause us to have to seek him well we can back away because the obstacle as Stephen was saying the giants are too big we're grasshoppers in their sight and we back away we pull back sometimes we do but instead of doing that maybe we should make an assessment of why is this obstacle here and if the obstacle is in the way how are we going to navigate through it how are we going to get past it? Because again, God's glory is to conceal. It's God's glory to bring a concealment. He's so holy and righteous and good that he conceals. And it's the glory of a king to search him out. And so real royalty, and I'm sitting in the family of royalty right here. I'm in the family of the royals. Are you not? Yes. yes, you're the royal family. That means in the royal family, you're of the class of king and queen. You're of that class, or prince and princess. You're of this class. And so why wouldn't it be that God would allow a concealing to happen, an obstacle that we literally face this morning? Why? So that we, out of our desire, would say, Lord, what are you doing here this morning? What's going on? I, I want you. I want you. I want you. And, you, and you'll see uh, David, he'll say this, and you heard me mention this. Lord, take me up to the rock that's higher than I. Yeah. Oh, man, I love, oh, man, I love that. The rock that's in the heavens. The rocks don't float in the heavens. Well, Jesus does. <laughs> take me to a rock. Take me to a dimensional space that is outside of my present everyday circumstance life. Take me to a rock that's higher than me. Take me to a place of real security that's built out of the heavens. 
And so we see this over and over again. And if you grow in the Lord, and, and we are growing in the Lord, we're all growing up, what you find is, what I've discovered is, uh, there's multi-dimensions. And um, there's dimensions of God. He stands outside the dimensions, and he's speaking through these dimensions to us. And, and somehow, that, sometimes that's why when someone says certain things to us, we think, I don't, I don't have a clue what they're talking about, right? I mean, I know they're in the spirit, but I don't, have, I don't know what they're talking about. And it's probably because they're coming from a different dimension. They're speaking from another place. They're speaking from a rock that's higher than themselves. Or they're singing from a rock that's higher. And uh, in, this, in this morning in our worship, you can feel the pressure. And, and what I want to do is, I, I want to talk about what I perceive to be what God is saying actually is happening among us, the royal family. I uh, believe uh, clearly I've, I've got a word from the Lord. And I want us to go to uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. The Holy Spirit's telling me I need to preface this uh, before I, I give you Ezekiel 28. And I'm going to preface it out of uh, Hebrews 12. Therefore, hey, since you, all of us, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's get rid of every weight and the sin that does cling to us so closely. And with endurance, let's run this race. With endurance, let's advance. Let's, let's advance. And let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He doesn't like shame, and neither should we. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, enthroned in glory. He endured all this opposition. He endured it, and he doesn't want us to grow weary in your souls and give up. I threw my back out last week in worship, and Stephen says, sit down. And I was like, I'm going to have to. Yes, sir. And thank you, Dr. Gross, for putting me back in place. Uh, putting a slam down on me, he put the, and oh, and then I was relieved, you know, and I, I, I appreciate you, Tom, and then a sickness comes all week, it's just like, don't grow weary, you know, things are hitting us, every, everybody, finances hit us, relationships hit us, our health hits us, it's hitting us, it's coming, don't grow weary, it's, uh, it's the goodness of God saying this to all of us, hey, don't give up, you didn't have to resist at bloodshed. You've not popped capillaries in your face yet. That, that's what happened to the Lord. His stress was so high because of what he was doing for us. It burst the capillaries in his face. None of us have experienced that level of stress yet in your struggle against sin. And have you forgot the exhortation addressed to you? And this is what he was saying to me. My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you 
Scorn or give up. Scorn is a madness issue. Giving up is a sadness issue. Don't scorn him. Get angry. You done ticked me off again. I'm offended. How dare you treat me that way? Don't you know who I am? I mean, I've said that. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> I mean, I'm your son. And this is the way you treat your boy, your girl, right? Don't scorn him. Don't get offended with him. But also, don't get afraid and get weary and get the beat down going. That's where most people tend to land. Yeah. A lot of people don't so much get offended. That does happen. But more people struggle with... He, begin, he brings this discipline in my life, and I want to give up. I throw my hands up, psh, whatever. Right. And he says, don't, don't do that because he's, he loves you because he chastens you. He loves you. Um, I see these emotions in my children when I have to discipline. They, this goes from madness to sadness and usually, hopefully, back to gladness. <laughs> you know, it's the emotion of the human heart. Ah! Oh! Ah! Yes. <laughs> Endure it. Endure. Don't grow weary. You're on a good path because what the Lord is delivering on this is so beyond what we can imagine or think. What He's prepared for us is all the glory that's coming. The beauty of what He has for us. We don't want to miss anything. Every day, you want every bit of the discipline of the Lord. You want to engage in the endurance. You want to run this race. Uh, Tom and I was talking, I think, yesterday at the table. I said, man, I said, whatever's the fastest path. Now, you know, I'm paraphrasing myself, but I've, I've been like this my whole life. How do you accelerate the fastest way? What's the quickest way? And, you know, you're the least, right? Right, you think, okay, it's the least, okay. And then, boom, you hit something and you're like, Oh, man, I was on a, you know, and the Lord's like, now what are we going to do with this? How are we going to deal with this? Yeah, I'd slow down for a minute and say, let's deal with this thing right in my life or my friend's life or my family's life. And I got to face it. And I can't deviate around it. That's the thing about the obstacle in the way. And so I, many of us are facing, facing those things. The Lord said, don't. Don't go left weary. Don't go right scorn. Sit right here with me. Listen to me. And like Stephen was saying in worship, I'm going to give you my perspective. I'm going to show you what I have for, for you. And so this requires an attention. It requires even a rest. And it's like, how do you run and rest in the same moment, right? So what's at stake here? Your inheritance. Your inheritance, your inheritance is at stake. I can't get into all the thing about overcoming this this morning. Um, So your inheritance is at stake. Your eternal, not your eternal inheritance in the sense of your justification that you're, 
that you're the Lord's. No, not that. You're not being dangled over hell, as Tom said, threatening you that you're going to uh, eternally go into the lake of fire. No, no. Not that. Not, that's not what I mean. Your inheritance in the Father that he has laid out for you in the process of your sanctification, it's at stake. Uh, scripture says that anything that's not a faith is what? Anything. And, and he tells the disciples, and I mention this a lot, but he says, this is the work I have for you to what? To believe on the one whom he has sent. And so Jesus is letting us know and that inheritance, and, and this has to do with what's come, it's, it's on us, ladies and gentlemen, it's on us like this. Our lives like, it's going to be a flash of light. This the end of this age is closing in on us. You, you don't want to play around with your inheritance in the Father. Now let me explain this to you. Your justification when God saved you upon his choosing, that was a choice that he made for you. That you, this people could test this, but I would, I believe that he made for you and he gave it to you. He gave you your salvation. But your sanctification, you have to partner with him in that. It's a check yes or check no. It's I'm going to do the things of this world or I'm going to get my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to follow him and I'm going to Whatever you say, Lord, I want whatever you want. Because what's wrapped up in this? Your inheritance. And it matters. It really does matter. Uh, John Bevere, he wrote a book years ago. It's called um, That When He Wrote Bait of Satan. But what was the other one? It's Living for Eternity or Living for Eternity Now. Um, it's something like that. I may, I may have the title wrong. But it's this idea that your life is supposed to be informed by what heaven is saying. And so you're living from a heavenly, uh, a heavenly perspective. You're living from the understanding that comes out of heaven. And I, and I believe many of you in here are living this way. But there are so many distractions that are uh, trying to pull us off point with living by faith. Faith is the title deed hope for what title deeds are involved in what in, in inheritance and it's the objective proof of an unseen reality uh, we've heard it faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence I've almost forgot it now the evidence of things not yet seen but a, you know you've heard me say this a lot but faith is the title deed hope for it's the objective proof of an unseen reality and so the objective proof of the unseen reality is this engagement with what heaven's perspective is in regards uh, to your life and translating what heaven is saying into your, your uh, daily life. And that's the rub, er, er, ladies and gentlemen. The rub is that translation. One of the parts of it is, well, I, I can't hear the Lord. Okay, I can't see the Lord. I'm having struggles with this. And I, I would suggest to you, if you are, I would, I would suggest to you, what kind of life are you living every day? Are you living a life that is based in works and what you can bring to the table? Or are you 
waiting on the Lord before you act? Are you saying, Lord, what are you saying to me in my life? And waiting to hear from him. And then in that place and posture of waiting, are you beginning to ask him, how can I observe what you're saying? Speak to me, Lord. And then whatever he's revealing to you that you don't pull off of that. That you take that and you hold the line on it. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what uh, the world's idea is. It doesn't matter. Your life is before him and it matters that you're listening to him every day. And I know that what I'm saying today is like basic Christianity. But we need to hear it. This is affecting us every day. It's, everything's challenging us. It's trying to get our eyes off of the Lord. Keep our eyes on our accomplishments, our lack of accomplishments, our, our successes, our failures, our education, our lack of education, our looks, our lack of looks. I mean, uh, whatever it is, it's trying to pull us off of what is the Lord saying? And what you want is you want this translation to happen in your life. And so you, that translation comes out from the Father and comes down to you. Now... ever feel like you have so much and you just and if you said it it would be like that's how I feel I think that's why the word says speak in tongues it's it's like long so much to like You know, wouldn't it be nice if you could just like bypass Job and and you could be like I'm just gonna jump to Job forty two five and I could say I heard of you by the hearing of ears. But now I see you. You know, what I'd wish for everybody is that you could just bypass. I don't know if it's like, I don't really think of myself as a pastor, but Henry calls me a pastor, but he's really the pastor. But do you ever feel like in your heart sometime raising children or grandchildren that you wish you could just give them everything at one time and then they'd just be there? And, uh, you know, that, and the only way I know how you could do this is by love. That love could leap across our spatial dimensions and jump right into our heart, and we would just know. And I think if I could say anything this morning, it would be that. I wish we could bypass it all and just jump right into love this morning. I mean, I'd even like to bypass faith and hope and just jump right into love. It seems to be the most wonderful thing. Yeah. It seems like to me that, that the fire would burn hot, but then the flame would ignite, and then we would just be in the middle of the flame, like right now. And I, I don't really understand God's way because there seems to be some kind of process we go through. But I tell you, if, 
if we right now could just jump right into love I'd be so happy Lord because you know if you've counseled anybody in here ever done counseling yeah you, you know you spend hundreds of hours and you think you get like this far and then the person can't repeat back anything you say <laughs> you know and, it's, and then they go apply it and it really looks pretty messed up you know if you could just get into love if we could if we could just go there like if we could just like bypass it all and the dimension of God's Holy Ghost could just, I don't know, do something for us that was without even words. I, I think, Father, I'd prefer that over everything. You know, Ezekiel 28, he was cast out of the heavens, Lucifer was. He thought too highly of himself. The iniquity was found in his heart. He had an amazing amount of wisdom and amazing beauty. He was the covering cherub. He, he heard everything that went on in the throne room. He, was the, he had the insight on it all. God's glory wasn't concealed to him. He had the greatest revelation. He was in the very presence of God. And yet in the middle of all that, he missed something. And I don't feel sorry for him. That little tube of man. But I tell you, though, if we could just jettison our, what we know about him and we could just be with him. That would be so preferable. Like, that we could even ask the Lord for that like like right now like you walked among the stones of fire Lucifer you anointed cherub you were among the stones of fire and I found iniquity in your heart you were trying to lift yourself up to be something more than you should have been no who can compare to the Lord who can compare what revelation can compare to him? What faith of a mountain can compare to the Lord? What body that can be burned can compare to the Lord? What knowledge can be compared to the Lord? What, what revolution, what revelation can be compared to you, Lord? Nothing compares to the Lord. What dimension compares to the Lord? I pray that this fire this fire is beyond our metaphysics it's like Tom said when he was saved August 21st 1979 I sat up in my bed and my head was in the heavens it's like said there's no box there's no boxes as Jeff tears up all his uh, packing boxes couple weeks ago let's tear up all the boxes let's just tear up let's tear up everything that's put 
God in some kind of structure or box or place. No matter how profound it is, it's not Him. And what we long for, Lord, is You. What we long for is You. What I'm hungry for is You, Lord. But I don't want the first thought in my mind is, is like, well, I want you because. Can we just want the Lord for himself? You know, when he said my name's Hashem, it just blew me away. I'm the name. We've come too far to retreat into some kind of structural box. We've come way too far. This ministry's come through so much. It's way too far. It's way too far gone. We jumped off the edge. We uh, were laughing this morning. We've, we've burned up uh, the brakes on many uh, cars and caught the whole car on fire. We've crashed planes into the ground. <laughs> we've run out every system we know. You know that Ford and Ferrari when Ken Miles gets out of the car that Carroll Shelby built and the brakes are on fire because he was going so fast that he lit the brakes up and the whole car exploded. Like we've had 10 of those. We've crashed airplanes. We've burned cars. Because we're after something. We're after you, Lord. And I just pray. And I pray that this would be our prayer. That I think I, I was telling Kara this morning. I said, I feel it. I feel like we're on the verge. I said, other people feel it too. I've heard them say it. We're on the verge of something. We're on the verge of God being himself in our midst. We're right here on the verge of this. Man, I don't want to mess it up. I woke up two mornings ago panicking. Like, Lord, please don't have me get into any kind of leadership role that gets off track. Please, Lord, please. The revelation that's coming is so intense and so much all day long that I can't hardly take it all in. It's like, how, how do we just, uh, how do we just say, oh, that's amazing, yeah, it's amazing, but how are we going to get our eyes on you, right? It's like the more you love him, more that you give. I don't understand this about the word. I, I don't understand. The more you give of yourself to him, the more he shows you about himself. But then, even the greatness of what he reveals about himself, you have, to turn, you have to turn aside from the revelation of it to go look back at him again. Even though, no matter how profound it is. It's because only love could do that. And that's who he is. Uh, so he's filled with joy. He's happy. He's... He's a bit of a kidder, actually. He knows how to have a good time. He's not old. He's intense in loyalty, but he has this joy inside of him. 
and he's a uh, and he loves us so much and I think he's after something and all I'm saying today is Lucifer he got this thing off Ezekiel 28 he's called the king of Tyre he got his eyes on the wrong thing no matter how great the wisdom is and no matter how great the beauty of what we've received is nothing 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 compares to the Lord nothing compares to him for himself alone It's interesting, it says that he's, he saw light come out of himself. And that's what he, when he began to behold that light, it was a double light. When he held that light, beheld it, he uh, marveled at it. And I think, you know, so much of like where God's taken us is such a, if the Lord does it, and he is going to do this, he, he's saying, I'm, I'm doing this in your midst. I'm going to give you an eternal covenant. I'm going to write my law on your heart. And I'm going to give you a covenant that I fulfilled for you. Because I believe with all my heart. And I believe this is the testimony of today. That we would be no different than what our arch enemy has done. If it were not for the grace of God. If it wasn't for him, when the light comes out of us, we too would look at that light and we would mesmerize ourselves with that light. And we too would turn away from the Lord. And this is why, this is why God had to come and make a covenant. It's in Hebrews 8, it's in Jeremiah chapter 31. He had to come and make a covenant with us that he would keep for us. This is the beauty of this end time move that's coming on the earth. It's the eternal covenant that's going to be expressed on a global scale. It has to be because you know how many of us have been like having our covenant checked, our loyalty checked in our marriages, in our relationship with our friends, our commitment levels. And we've been going through this over and over and over again down to even minute levels. It gets down to a point where only God could keep this covenant in us for us and through us this is where this fire is this is where this rest is it's a rest in the fact that God come and set my soul ablaze with a flame of fire burn hot inside of me burn your eternal covenant into my interior mind and into my interior heart and do something for me that I can never, even in all of my attempts to be loyal to you, I can never do what it was required that really truthfully to deal with the consciousness of sin. And I told y'all, a friend of mine who had a very successful church down in, actually it was in Savannah, I think, uh, has a, he writes to millions of people. He said when he got to Hebrews 10, he said, I had to quit preaching. He quit. He quit preaching because he said, I cannot preach that Jesus has paid the price for the consciousness of sin. He said, it's unbelievable. And he's so brilliant of a man. 
that he takes it literally and he believes God's word enough to say, I can't even testify of that because I have not that testimony in myself. How could I even preach that message? Do you think about the glory, the glory of no more consciousness of sin? No more self-referential nature. Could you imagine that God in his, uh, in, uh, in what he wanted to do for mankind, that that's what the prophets, Hebrews 1 talks about the prophets and the apostles, that's what the founding, that's what they were looking into. They were looking into something like that. That God would put his law, I mean, I used to think, what's the big deal? I mean, what's the big deal about the eternal covenant? I, I didn't understand it at all. But, but then after you face your sin time and time again, and you hurt someone time and time again, and you hurt yourself and you do wrong time and time and time and time again, and you realize that you, you don't love like you should, and you know something's off, and you say, oh, man, I'm going to sign up tomorrow and do better. You know? Is that just me or... Anybody else experience that? I don't want to treat that person that way anymore. I'm like, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I'm going to put a smile on today. I'm going to pat this person on the back even if I don't like them. You know what I mean? I'm going to be nice even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to say a compliment when I don't even mean it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you see the duplicity. You know, and you're like, man, I want to be rid of that. I want it to be real. I want whatever's real to be real. I want to be able to speak truth and it's real. I want to love and it's real. And I don't want any kind of uh, thing in between that. You imagine that God is saying to us, I want to give you that. I paid for it. He said, he said that it is finished and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And he's waiting. He's waiting for a people also that will sit down. And that the enemy would be under not just his feet, but the body's feet, his feet in us. That finally, every enemy of death has been defeated inside of his people. The father's waiting on this. He said, my son paid for this. He didn't pay for it just so he lives in it. He paid for it for you. He paid for us so that so the enemy would be under our feet. So that love would uh, blaze inside of our hearts and fire would burn inside of us. He paid for that. He said, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming to bring a fire. Yes. So yeah, metaphysics are amazing. Cosmology is amazing. I've been in particle physics all week. It's amazing. The subatomic realm is amazing. I'm blown away. <coughs> I almost think sometimes the word's like, I'm going to blow you away, blow you away, blow you away till you get still. Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> be still. You know, let your mind be still. Let your hearts be still. Yeah, yeah, look at this. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's something inside of us, and I know that you experience this. I believe this. I still got a longing in my heart. Austin was bringing up an F-111 guy he met yesterday as a pilot, and I love the F-111. It's just like one of my favorite aircraft. And he said that 
he was in with a he was an instructor pilot for a student pilot and they had to put it in an intentional flat spin and uh i don't know if any of y'all have ever been in an airplane in a flat spin it's amazing as long as you're in control <laughs> i've been in one and it's amazing not an f-111 that would have been primo primo but you know uh i remember i was i was at 10,000 feet and i'm in an intentional flat spin I was just in a little T-34 Charlie, and I, I remember putting the corrections in. Of, you know, you have to recover by 5,000 feet, or we have parachutes on our back. You have to pop the canopy and jump out because you're going to die if you don't. And it's, a, you know, there it is, 10,000, and when you go into a spin, it's like every few seconds you're dropping 1,000 feet, you know, and the plane's going in circles like this. And I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm thinking, I found my thing, man. I found what I was made for. And then all of a sudden I realized it's just not enough. And I'm like, slam my, my opposite rudder, throw my yoke down, slam my throttle down, coming out of that thing, you know, recover like 5,100 feet. I'm pulling my plane back up, you know, with my, my instructor in the back. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I still felt a vacancy. I thought that if I could ever find that place, that cusp, if I could find a verge, if I could throw myself into a ridiculous risk-taking move, I finally find what I was looking for. I didn't. And I remember it was like, think, I just was selected F-15 Strike Eagle. I'm like, I got this thing. I didn't. And... And we all have that story, but you notice that there's, a, there's something inside of us that's saying. Something's not met. You go put it into this, and you go put it into that, and you take it and put it into this, and you say, and I don't know what it is. We're all different, and whatever. You know, that's just me. That's probably not a lot of you. But you have, you've had your thing. I, I'll build this business. I'll be a model. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll run this company. I'll, um, I'll, I'll do whatever. And then you find out, you get alone, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right? I mean, you're amazing. You know, everybody, we all are. And it's just like, oh. And I think what the Lord is saying is, I want to cover this. And I believe he wants to cover it perpetually. Like, um, I'm, I'm convinced, really, that I'm convinced, like, right now, like, more of that. And, and some of the mystics talked about this. They talked about it. And you've heard me lay this out, and I'll lay this out again, that when God had designed the restoration of the human soul that he put in us, and uh, this comes a little bit from Meredith Klein, and this is just a helpful, like, four-dimensional understanding. He said, he w Klein said that he would put man and woman back through probation through the garden. <clears throat> because what had been lost in the garden, God wanted to restore, and, and that he would begin to restore this in our homes and in our families. And so he had placed a probation on man and to see if they would go back and eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
you know, uh, Adam had been tricked by Dan, uh, Dan being the serpent. He got his eyes on the wrong thing because he had looked at the serpent and because he had Dan imprinted on his soul, Dan being one of the 12 tribes, he looked at the serpent and the serpent deceived him. And he breaks the word of the Lord, even though you guys have to understand this is a complicated way to think about this. Dan means God is judge. And when, this, when Lucifer comes in the form of the serpent, Dan in Genesis 49 is called a, a viper or a serpent in the way that bites the horse's heel and causes the rider to fall off. And so Lucifer comes in the form of what's written on him this is why deception you have to be so careful about deception because sometimes the prophetic connection will be the same but there'll be this still small voice that'll tell you don't do that or I'll give you a word that says don't do that and so Dan is imprinted on him now the what's imprinted on his soul now is outside of him and it's a serpent, and he deceives him. Did God really say? And that you know, even Adam are, are deceived. And so God, when we went to Collider, he's like, I'm gonna. We find out later that he had ordained 70 weeks, but he puts us through a 62 week probation. Why? To cast Dan out and replace him with Manasseh, causing one to forget the toils of your father's house. Why he's testing Adam and Eve again? testing us to see will you do what I say will you have your eyes fixed on me but see probation isn't where it ends God's design was to confer on us an inheritance and so there was a conferral period it last seven weeks up to the 69th week for us and then we came into the 70th week which is confirmation this is where we're at as a ministry the ministry from the father has been has went through probation, has went through conferral, and has went through a confirmation. We're in the middle of confirmation. I don't know how long this confirmation will take, but I can tell you of a truth. I know this from the Lord. Consummation is coming. Uh, you wrote about it, I think, this week. Consummation is coming upon us, and this is the very fire of God and the very flame. Uh, it's called the fire of Jacob and the flame of Joseph in Obadiah. The fire of God is coming. To purify everything that hinders love. The flame of God burns up the coals on the human heart. No more coal, no more. Just the flame of God. Flame of God. And I, I want to encourage you today. Stay. Prepare for consummation. Probation has ended. Conferral has ended. Confirmation has come. It's coming with naming right now, and as many of us know, there's a naming that's been coming. That naming is your confirmation. In the Catholic Church, Tom, isn't there in confirmation? Isn't there a name given? Okay, so I didn't know that till I met you. That in uh, Catholicism, when you are confirmed, they give a name. Well, that's happening in this ministry right now because there's a naming happening because of confirmation. But it's God's confirmation. It's the Father's confirmation. So there, there was some truth there in confirmation. 
within what uh, Roman Catholicism had, has done. But the true confirmation has to come from the Father. And when his confirmation comes, you know it's him. Because it, no, no man can give you that name. No man can really name you. I mean, God may use men to speak something to you, but that comes. Why? Why? Why does confirmation come? And then God says, this is my name. Because we've had so many identity issues as people, the Lord wants to clear up our identity so he can ascribe the greatness of who he is. Uh, we were talking about this, and I think this is so profound. But someone who has a big name, or and you know, some people name drop. Anybody ever seen somebody do that? You know, name drop. I know so-and-so, you know. And, and um, sometimes it's wrongly motivated. Sometimes it's not. Or right, sometimes it's good. It's fine. But you think about God who comes into the midst of his people. I mean, who can name drop more than God himself? He actually has 72 names. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's got, like, he's pretty cool. I mean, he's, okay, he's way cool. Okay, I can't even say enough about him. So he just calls himself Hashem, which means the name. <laughs> because he's the name above what? Every name. But the Lord's had this issue because so many of us have been so broken. We're going around trying to make a name for ourselves. And the Lord's like, I want to clear this up with you. I want you to know who you are. Why? But the Lord's not coming into the midst of us and ascribing, saying, oh, wait a minute. Hey, I'm the Lord. And sort of shoving everybody because he's so amazing. I think that it's so amazing about him because he condescends to us first. That, that, that's the most... People don't do that. It's like, did you know how amazing I am? You know, how awesome I am? Whatever. The Lord waits to make sure that we're confirmed before he even says anything about himself. And I think that is a, that's a beautiful attribute of love. I mean, you ever felt like someone doesn't know you and you want everybody to know? They finally can tell them about you? That nobody really knows who you are? You ever, you ever sat in a group of people? I bet you every single one of you have been through this. Where you have been unknown in seasons of your life to the people that are around you, even though you, you're just like, if someone would finally just recognize me, and God himself puts you in a season like that. Because he wants to get this Bethlehem into your heart where you're supposed to be celebrated, but no one sees you. So that you would know that he does. And Jerusalem into your heart where you would be fully exposed and everybody would see you, but you would want no one to know. God does that. Why? So that he can give you his name. Your name. So that he can begin to come and say, this is me. This is a part that we're going through in this season. I don't know how long it's going to take. I was telling the Lord that I wanted to get on with it this week. I said, well, could, you, uh, could you bring uh, this consummation faster? You know, could you just drop the fire down on us? Every time we meet together, I'm like, okay, maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the time. All right, please bring the fire. Holy Ghost, fire, fall. 
Holy Ghost fire, come now. Sweep our sweep this house up in fire. And not literally, but you know. But you know, your fire, Holy Ghost fire, fall. Every week I'm like, when is it gonna be? Is it gonna happen to us during the week? Is the fire when's the fire coming, Lord? When's the consummation coming? Um, I know he's coming. He says, Well, this is what he told me this week. I'm dealing with the names. He said, because I want them to fully believe what I'm saying to them. I want them to really know it's me. And when they know, they'll lift up their heads. Psalms 24. Lift up your head, O ye gates. You everlasting doors. And the King of Glory shall come in. Lift up your head, O ye gates. They say that that word in the Hebrew, when you look at it, I had a friend of mine bring this to me. He says, it means the rulers of the people. Lift up your head, O ye rulers, you princes, you princesses. Lift up ye everlasting door. You doors, lift up. I know that I'm known, I'm known, I'm known, I'm known by him. He knows me, I know him. He knows me, I know him. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Oh man, who are you, Lord? Has it not been that way that every time he comes, I always think, who is this? What was I thinking? I don't know how many times I've said that. I mean, I think I am right in line with whatever the Lord wants to do and say and think or whatever. And then when he comes, I think, I don't have a clue about you. Who are you, Lord? Because love, this love, this consuming love is so much more rich than the greatest understanding, the greatest concepts, the greatest even emotions, love. Love, love, love that's so far superior to anything we could even feel or know. And understanding exceeds all our understanding, exceeded all my faith initiative, exceeded everything I've ever done for him. It's him himself as himself. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. I lift up my eyes from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. You fashioned out the heavens, Lord, and you fashioned out the earth. You did this with Job, Lord. You read a revelation of the cosmology and the dimension of land. You showed him everything. Job's eyes begin to behold you. I repent. Now I repent in dust and ashes. I know that my frame is just dust. Uh, Without you, I have nothing. And I say, you know, sons and daughters of the Lord, I'll lift up your eyes. It doesn't say, look at the light that just came out of you like Lucifer. It says, lift up your eyes. Behold the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
be our testimony as though this is the time of the lifting up of the head. up of the head it's an idiom the lift up your head means to be confident and bold that day he came in and he told me my name it was at the end of the 70th week going into the 71st week I worship him flat down two hours straight exhausted my whole entire being I couldn't take it so much glory so much life and so much love and he says Baruch Hashem Adonai Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's like, yeah, yeah, we have an enemy. Yeah, he's trying to distract us this morning. Yeah, he's trying to distract us. Yeah, He tries to play his games. He says, lift up your head, be confident and bold. And then listen to this. He says, that's the gates. But then he says, rise up rise ye eternal doors and so there's a double movement right here my whole soul my whole soul my whole entire soul's eyes are looking on the Lord and then my whole being is being lifted up into the heavens Eternity's, eternity's shining down through the door of my soul. The eternal covenant is being burned onto my heart and my mind. It's like it's becoming a flame. Fires, fire, fires, illumination of my own mind. Not the fires, not the fire in the minds of men like the Illuminati. No, no, no. Not like that. Not like lighting some kind of fire to use others for our own benefit. No. God won't give his glory to another. He'll not, we will not, he will not glory with flesh. No. He says, then the majestic king will enter. It's an if-then statement. It requires only two things from us.
I don't look at myself. Paul knew this. Paul got a hold of this, man. This is what he got a hold of. He says, neither do I even judge myself. I don't judge anyone else. Neither do I judge myself. Oh, the glory of that. No more judgment tree. Just a tree of life. The only way that this could ever happen is the Lord would have to give us no more consciousness of sin. No more consciousness of sin. Otherwise, I would look at myself. I couldn't help it. Or I would look at someone else's sin. And if he couldn't distract me, the enemy, with my own sin or someone else's sin, he would distract me with himself. up at you, Lord. judgments based off what his eyes see or what his ears hear.
will say to them, I love you with an everlasting love. That is why I continue to be faithful to you. And I will rebuild you, my dear children, Israel, so that you will once again be built up. And once again, you again will take the tambourine and join in the happy throng of dancers. Once again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. Yes, you will plant them and you will enjoy their fruit. The time has come when watchmen will call out on the Mount of Ephraim. And they will say, let us go to Zion to worship the Lord our God. Moreover, the Lord says, sing for joy for the descendants of Jacob. Utter glad shouts for that foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard. Then say, Lord, rescue your people. Deliver those of Israel who remain alive.
Lord took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. and he said this is the blood of the new covenant it's the blood of everlasting covenant which has been poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and may you have peace amen Boom. Oh. 